We are Switch Into Tech, tech resources to accelerate your career in information technology. Monthly classes on tech topics. We offer free or discounted exam vouchers, scholarships, free Udemy courses, free events, free boot camps, and more. You can find us at www.switchintotech.org. Hey, y'all. My name is Elise Y. Robinson. I am the podcast host of Nobody Wants to Work, though, and we have Benjamin today. Um, go ahead and give us an introduction about yourself, Benjamin. Hello. I, I get made fun of because I go, hi, my name's Dr. Benjamin Ritter. I'm, I always like every single one of my videos. And so I'll walk into a room, people will be like, everyone will go quiet. And this one will be like, hi, my name is Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Uh, so hi, everyone. I have a background in organizational leadership and talent development. I basically work on helping leaders fall in love with their careers, as well as create organizations that people can fall in love with. So I split my time as the head of talent development at a life sciences manufacturing company out in California, even though I work remotely in Austin, Texas, as well as coach one-on-one -on -one senior leaders and executives to basically be happy at work and to develop as leaders. Um, this is a fun question. What did you want to be when you grew up? Okay, so there's a couple. Really young, I wanted to be an archaeologist, which I learned over time is not an archaeologist. It was like a paleontologist. Like I wanted to work with dinosaur bones, but as a kid, no one had the heart to correct me. And I also wanted to be an astronaut. That graduated into wanting to be a professional soccer player, which became my purpose for about half my life and led me to where I am today because it taught me a very valuable lesson that the advice find your purpose is really terrible advice. <laughs> I think we'll get into that today. Uh, and that then led into a couple other passions like diet, becoming a dietitian and nutritionist, which then led to wanting to become an entrepreneur, which led to wanting to just get involved in health policy and change the world, which led into the eventual growth and development to where I am into my current career. But I pause on the actual details of what happened there because I think we're going to get into that. Um, yeah, so you, so you did all that, like health policy and, and all that or, or no? Oh yeah. So I worked for Illinois department of public health. Okay. I got my MPH in health policy administration. I also okay. got my MBA in entrepreneurial management. Uh, so yeah, I've done, done a bunch of different jobs. I had a, I have a variety of odd jobs that I've done. I was a live cast model where somebody poured plaster on me. And so there's a bunch of mannequins of me in the civil war museum in Kenosha. I was a brand ambassador where I handed out flyers on street corners and granola bars. I walked around with pizza signs on my back to make some money. I dressed up as movie costume characters and ran around the city of Chicago scaring people for a promotion of the zombie 28 weeks later. Uh, I was a sports concert. <laughs> Funny how I go zombie and childcare. <laughs> um, but uh, my those were all odd jobs, right? Those were jobs to be able to make money, to uh, explore different things, and to honestly just... Uh, enjoy life a little bit. And they didn't become my career because they were just kind of stepping stones and experiences. Definitely, definitely. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were like, you know, all these experiences go into like one big ball and you can use those experiences for for what you want to do in the, the future or you can pull from that knowledge. And I, I found that interesting. And, it, and they were saying that 
just because you have all these interests and do all these things and jump around from thing to thing to thing doesn't mean that you're a weirdo or you're strange. Um, Because yeah, I mean, I'm finding that the people that I talk to in my podcast have varied interests and you know, that's why they've changed careers so many times or, you know, one time or whatever. Um, and I don't know if you think you're, of yourself as a weirdo, but I, I think of myself as a weirdo sometimes because like I, I dig into stuff and I'm like, yeah, no, nah, that's not it. And then I'll go on to someone else, something else. Um, and my mother and my father hated it. They're like, just focus on one thing. <laughs> You know, because they come from a time period where you worked at the same company for, you know, 30 years or whatever, retired and then went on somewhere. You did the same, pretty much the same job unless you went to management and that was it. So um, that that leads into my my next question of, you know, what was the catalyst of changing your career? Yeah, before I dive into that, and I know that's a really important question, just responding to what you said, you know, I don't think it's being a weirdo to explore your interests. It's called a career and a career is a culmination of jobs and those jobs can mean anything for you as long it doesn't even have to have a meaning. It could just be something that you wanted to do at a time. And a job doesn't define a career. So that means that anything that you do today, you can do something differently tomorrow. Now it's helpful if you're on a, a certain path forwards, like you're doing something intentionally because whenever you're intentional, then you can actually create something for yourself. Um, so I'd say there should be some reasoning or interconnection between some things, but I always thought it was weird, like not myself weird, but other people where I was a bartender for a decade. Like I started off uh, door security, went into be a bar back, then became a bartender. And that led to so many incredible social skills and connections and experiences and adventures that I never would have had access to. And I'm sitting there, I have a doctorate degree and I have a business and I have a full-time job and I'm bartending at now to pay off the degree. And, you know, people are sitting across from me talking down to me because of me being a supposedly like ho only a hospitality worker. And I personally, you know, I, t I thought it was funny because you shouldn't do anything for anybody else's opinion. You know, I was doing it for my reasons. I knew the truth of my story. The people that mattered to me knew the truth of my story. And if I let everyone else's opinion curate what I did for my career or for what I did for work, I would make a lot less money. I'll tell you that. And I wouldn't be anywhere near as happy. Okay. Now I'm ready to get into your question, but I had to say that. Um, what was the catalyst going from, yeah. I don't know what your last career was to, to yeah, being yeah. in okay. organizational development. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I got out of grad school in about in 2000 and no, I got out of undergrad in, um, I'm trying to think of the actual story that I want to tell. Uh, let's go, let's go to, yeah, 2010. And it was a, it was a, it was a time where I was working for the Illinois Department of Public Health, but the economy wasn't doing very well. And so I received a job offer from the CDC. I received the job offer from an FQHC, which is like a healthcare clinic, uh, but it's federally funded. I received the job off from the Illinois Department of Public Health. And these were not all at once. These were over a two and a half year period where the federal government had no funding. And so I would, I would sign on the dotted line and the contract would be canceled the next day. I wasn't, I'm not kidding. I would sign the contract and then get an email. We're really sorry for, to hear this, but we can't fulfill this position. 
So what I thought I wanted to do for my career at the time, which was to go into health policy and change the world through policy and become a health you know, advocate, pretty much got stomped on. And so through networking, through bartending, actually, I met a, ICU, a manager of an ICU at a hospital who got me an interview at a, one of the hospital not too far from where I lived in Wicker Park, Chicago. And I was not hired the first time because they didn't want to hire a bartender. But the person that made that decision left to go train at a different hospital and they brought me back when, when he left and they ended up hiring me. And so I kind of fell into that role. It wasn't something that I chose. And whenever you don't choose some steps in your career, um, it may be interesting and novel and a new adventure for a little bit, but it, it, whenever you don't have control and whenever it, it wasn't an intentional choice, you're kind of rolling the dice on if you're actually going to feel aligned or satisfied by your work. And it was a for sure roll of the dice because um, it was interesting for a bit and then I started feeling stuck. And then they were able to keep me because they selected me for a leadership program. It was 16 months. So they kept me for a year, you know, over, over a year. And they promoted me to the executive team. I became the manager. I was the manager of business operations at the time. And I, it was even worse because at least my first job, I was doing good. This job, I felt completely disconnected from the meaning behind the work itself. It's very much in the spreadsheets and business development and working odd jobs for the executive team. And around very bureaucratic and traditional leadership, which for me was like very disheartening and to sit in my, you know, sit at my cubicle and have someone come to me crying because of what the VP said was like gut wrenching. And so eventually that led to me going into work, trying not to work, you know, me skipping out, going to the gym for half the day and coming back and trying to hide the fact that I was gone, you know, me opening up different different programs on my computer and just not really working. Me not, not having conversations with people that I was that I was working with because I didn't want to build relationships because if I built relationships, they'll talk to me more and that will waste my time and I don't want to be here anyways. So I had one foot out the door, one foot in. And when you do that, it's pretty much a self-fulfilling prophecy it, it, because you're not doing anything to make you happy. You're actually proactively doing things to make yourself really pissed off at your job and really, really stressed and frustrated. And I was pretty lucky because I was in this place for a couple of years trying to change things, but not really doing it with any sort of intention, very half-heartedly. Uh, and so I was walking into work one day and I felt this sense of dread like I do every day. And by the way, I hear that I could walk to work. That's how, how good of a job it was. It lived very close to my job. And I, I was making eye contact with people and it was, it felt like everyone was a mirror of myself. They were just kind of zombies dreading the day. And all of a sudden I had the chance to, to look at me and I woke up and I was like, what am I doing? This is terrible. You do not have to be in this situation. I lived a life up to that point of self personal discovery, becoming confident, growing, being adventurous, being curious. But for some reason I never took those lessons and applied them to my job. I was like, what am I? And so that was kind of this wake up call where I go, okay, let's, let's take control. Let's be proactive instead of reactive. You know, your experience from 2010, even my, my experience, even before that was soccer, the things that pretty much I had every, every experience that proved to me that I could not choose the career I wanted. And I was letting that dictate my life. And I said, this doesn't have to be this way. So I did a career audit. I looked at what I enjoyed, what I was passionate about, what projects I wanted to work on, what relationships I enjoyed the most being around and where I really wanted to take my career. So personal and professional passions as well. And 
I actually had, because of the leadership program, a personal coach, like our director of people was my one-on-one coach who I vibed with. Like everyone in the organization and our system, this person, I was like, this guy's my guy. This guy's awesome. And then I also had personal passions for coaching and development and impact, as you can tell from my experience, like my desire for health policy and such. And I realized that the program that I was in, the talent development piece, the leadership development piece was, was built to prevent me from being who I was, this disengaged employee, unhappy at work. And I go, this looks awesome. This is like emerging of everything that I want to do for my professional career. How do I do this? Which is so funny, by the way, because I was getting coached and didn't realize that I wanted to be that guy. <laughs> like I wanted that job. I needed to seriously think about it. And all these events came together and I realized that talent development was a thing. And so that was the start of my path um, towards that career. And I took some steps and I'm happy to go into them, but I'll pause because that was a lot of talking. <laughs> Which is perfectly fine. Um, you, you touched on so much, <laughs> so much. I mean, you know, the, the whole effort part, because there was a, there was another lady that was on my podcast and she was saying that she left before she got to the effort part before she got super unhappy. And I told her I've, I've never been at that part. I've only been at the epic part and I burned a lot of bridges. <laughs> and she said something about maturity. And I was like, well, I never claimed to be mature. <laughs> That's one thing I never claimed to be is mature. Um, and you touched on the part of, you know, not caring what other people think. And that's, that's critical. Um, you know, I guess my next question is, did you have a support system when you made this decision? Because, you know, not, not claiming that you care what other people think, you know, which means, you know, people might say things here and there and you have no support. So did you have a support system when you made these decisions? I've had a pretty supportive family, so I can't disregard that. I'll say that right off the bat. But I also went for over 15 years of my life, maybe a little bit more, where everyone told me that I was crazy for trying to become a professional athlete. I didn't have one person because like, I was I was good, but I wasn't good. Like I was good enough to get on the team, but I wasn't good enough to start. I was good enough to run it on a on a pickup game and in most leagues, but I wasn't, you know, if you Pele or Maradona, I wasn't someone that was a shoe in for a lot of these squads. So I was going against the grain a lot when I said I was going to dedicate my life to a sport where it didn't look like I was, you know, I, I had the best opportunity to get there. And when I say dedicate, you know, I was spending, I was practicing three times a day. I was the only thing I would watch on TV would be recordings of games. I wouldn't really make friends because the people I wanted to hang out with were just playing. And I thought anything other than playing was a waste of my time. I only got good grades because, you know, having the highest GPA on the squad was a asset to our team and to the coach because it raised our team GPA. So I was used to making my own decisions and then also going and getting my MBA in entrepreneurship. People were like, what is that? I don't even know what that means. Uh, MPH and health policy administration. No one knew what that was that I that I spoke to. So I was pretty much used to being this kind of lone wolf when it came to my, you know, making decisions. I was able to support myself. And I stayed out of trouble and that tended to be pretty good, uh, good enough for the people, you know, that, that cared about me that were giving me their support. 
So I, I did not have a, a network in talent development. I didn't have a network of people that I also leaned on. I pretty much leaned on myself throughout it. Gotcha. I totally understand. Um, when I moved to Mexico, I, I called my father a month and a half in and told him I wasn't coming back. And then, you know, I come back with all these stories and he he doesn't care. He doesn't want to hear them. So I just I just don't say anything anymore. <laughs> so so I totally get it. But I do have I have a support system and, you know, that's that's currency um, outside of, you know, my, my dual, my dual life. So I, I totally get it. And you have to be strong enough in order to push through and basically take control of your life. Cause you know, no one else is going to live it, but you. So why would yeah. you want to squander that? Yeah. To your, to, I think what you're saying, which is really important. Sometimes the people that we think are going to support us don't, and that's disappointing. And one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is if we know we want to go into a specific field, surround ourselves with people that have already done something within that space or are aspiring to do something in that space. Things are so much easier when you can, when you feel like someone gets you and things are a lot easier too, when someone has done what you want to accomplish because they can share their expertise. Now, what they share is not the only way of doing it. It's not the only way. It's not what you have to do. Don't feel like it's a lo the law, but it just is it's creates hope and sometimes provides solutions quicker than you can find them yourself. Definitely, definitely. Um, network is a, is a, is a key thing that other people have talked about on the podcast. And I have a support system with my entrepreneurship. Shout out to Christian. <laughs> uh, we go back and forth every day about, you know, entrepreneurship, pros, cons, negatives, and positives. And cause it, yeah, you're you're lonely as an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, this, no one gets it. <laughs> what you're doing right now, podcasting, is one of the best ways I found to meet people that you can resonate with as a business owner. Uh -huh. When I was pre-COVID, I used to build my my client funnel and my brand through in-person events, and I would have two speakers, two to three speakers per event, and those people were people that did it, they crushed it, they were doing really interesting things. And they become some of my best friends because I gave them value. And then we found that we aligned through the hour or two that we spent together. And now today they're invaluable. They're priceless, not just from a professional perspective, but also from a personal perspective. Gotcha. Yeah. One other thing I do is a monthly seminar um, on different tech topics. Um, my popular one is live resume reviews and live LinkedIn reviews and um, I've met people that way. So you, you are so right. You're so right. Um, what was the process on switching? You know, did you go to seminars, take courses? Um, you talked about your network. What was the process specifically? So when I found out that I wanted to pivot my career, I went to my boss actually and said, I would like to start doing some of this work and it exists within our organization, do I have your buy-in? It won't affect my current job. She said, yes, she wanted me to be more engaged. So I went to that department and asked if I could do some work for them. And a lot of times when you ask someone, can I do some work for free? They'll, you think they should say yes, but they don't know what to do with you. So you have to be more, a little bit more specific in what you're asking them. So I asked them for some specific projects. They said, yes, I started doing a little bit of work. 
It's a very, very slow process, but it was working. And then we got acquired for the second time and everyone I was working with got fired and everything that I was working on got centralized. And so that was a kind of a dead end, unless I wanted to work in the corporate office, which would have involved a pretty decent commute. I didn't want to do that. So my next option was to go try to find another job in the space. And I don't know the tips and tricks that I know now. So I did not get one. And so my third option was let's go get credible in the space so I can get a job in it. And at the same time, maybe even start a business and a brand within this area once I learn what I want to do in it. And so I made the, it was pretty difficult at the time, decision to go get my doctorate. And I was excited about the opportunity to go do research. So I'd, I would be very well read and experienced uh, within this space, which a lot of people don't have because talent and organizational development, like it's a pretty new field for a lot of places. And so if you pop up with a doctorate in it, people tend to listen to you. And I was also hoping to build my network through that program and through the professors and through my classmates. And so I got in after, so two rounds of applications that did not get in, I took the test three times, the standardized test three times, but then found a doctorate. Well, prior to that, by the way, I don't want to, I don't want to skip over this. I was applying for PhDs in social psych because I thought that would help me get a, a job within this space. And I went to go volunteer in one of the labs because you have to do a lot of lab work to get a PhD. And I hated it. So it was, it was really good information for me to learn that I didn't want to do a PhD in social psych, that I thought that was the way to become credible. And I found instead a doctorate of education in organizational leadership, literally exactly what I was trying to get into. Got into that program and then, you know, long story, a little bit shorter uh, about within the first couple classes, I decided I want to rebrand and re relaunch the business within the space because I was already a coach at the time with clients and such, but I wanted to focus on something different. And then started building my network within the field. And then in about, uh, I went out, I left healthcare in 2018 because I was making enough money within my business. I got my doctorate. And then in 2020, so two years later, I got called by an organization called YPO to come on as a regional learning director. And then after that, one of my potential consulting clients asked me to come on full board and create a talent development program for them. So now I'm the head of talent development or culture at that organization while I still get to coach on the side and do, well, it's a pretty, pretty sustaining business at the moment. So it's kind of runs itself on SEO and referrals because I had a couple of years to build it. So it took me, if you want to look at the time, three years from when I graduated with my doctoral program to become the head of talent development for, you know, a 300 person organization in the field that I was interested in. And the doctoral program took two and a half years. So along the way, I've had some really great journeys. Uh, I've met some really great people. And if you look, if I look back, it felt like it was a blip. Yeah, it felt like it was a blink of an eye. And you're looking at five and five and a half years to becoming one of the top positions in your field, uh, which is, which is pretty, I think I would hope inspiring for people that are looking to craft a new career path. Definitely, definitely inspiring. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, people, people think that five and a half years is, is a long time, but it's, it's really not. <laughs> and time waits for no one. Um, and yes, that's, that's really inspiring for, you know, for people that are trying to get into the field and, um, 
you know, don't necessarily know the right path to take. Um, mm -hmm. One more thing, by the way, it, uh -huh. it was, it wasn't all, yeah, there was hard work, but you're still living your life around that whole thing. So I had relationships, I found an incredible partner, I traveled to like all over the globe, all over the world, to Spain, to Italy, to Costa Rica, to Guatemala, to Peru, to Colombia, like hiking Machu Picchu throughout all this, you know, it's so life doesn't stop because you're pursuing another path, like life still continues around you. And people tend to forget, they go, well, if I focus on this goal, it's the thing I have to do, like, okay, yes, it's the thing you have to do, but you're still living. There's still other time during the day. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> Um, but yes, you're, you're so right. Um, what are some of the positives and the negatives of, of this new career that you found? Positives. I get to help people. This is a thing that I love and I get to apply the things that I learned and the best practices into organizations to help them become places people can fall in love with. In terms of things that aren't good, I honestly. I'd say that's, uh, I'd say some organizations, right, they still have to hit their bottom line and talent development and people being happy at their jobs isn't always top priority. So it's a, you're trying to balance the impact and meaning of my work with the priorities of an organization. I wouldn't say that's something that's terrible, it's just a learning a learning point. And some organizations are going to learn are going to move quicker than others. And then if you get into this field, they need facilitators. And so to find a position where you're not facilitating as much is a little bit more difficult. But uh, if you like facilitating, that's a great thing. And then it's still a pretty new field. So you're still pretty, you're, you're pretty unique when it comes to your skill set. Uh, but to that point, it's also harder to find a lot of open jobs, even though they're becoming more and more. Gotcha. Um... What um, are some traits that you think someone would ha need to have to be successful? Within this space. So there's a couple different aspects of it. You can be a content creator, like a, a learning content creator. You can be a facilitator. You can be a, you know, a strategizer. You could be a coach. So there's like a variety of different places within the field that you could grow into or build your career in. You don't have to do all of them. A lot of organizations will actually split these these roles up. So I'd say, I mean, just to list a couple of them, even though there's so many, there's like a very, there's so many. Uh, you have to be a good listener. You have to have, if you are a facilitator, presence and curiosity and the ability to present, to speak in an engaging way. It's helpful to understand learning theory. So how people learn. Really what that means is people tend to learn more by doing and people learn a little bit differently. So you have to understand how, what the best way for someone is to learn as well as to immerse them in the topic that you're trying to teach them and follow up consistently. You have to care about individuals and their jobs. So a lot of it is giving people the opportunity to talk and really hear what they're saying and dive in deeper without trying to give advice right away. And when it comes to learning strategy, understanding what the, being able to understand and pull out the purpose of what someone's training or learning is supposed to accomplish. And then first really try to see if what they're doing is going to reach that goal. If there's some other innovative ways that we can teach and help and guide individuals to learn where it is we're trying to 
to help them uh, develop into. That was kind of all over the place, but I hopefully it touched on a couple of the key areas. No, no, that's that was perfectly good. Um, outside of that, um, what are some like things that you wish you knew before you joined um, this career field? Like, can you give any tips or tricks, some things that you wish you would have knew or you wish you hadn't done? I'd say there's nothing that I did that I wish that I didn't do, but for people interested in this path, there's a ton of really great podcasts on talent development and org culture, really great thought leaders, TED Talks, books, just immerse yourself in the topic and see if it's something that you really want to do. And you can even probably find some contract work as a learning specialist and just kind of get your toes a little wet. I didn't mention it, but like, for example, learning management systems, they're more technical. So there's places also for, for people that are interested in data or behind the scenes work when it comes to video editing uh, and in like course creation and such. So there is really a place for everyone within this space and it's only going to grow. I'd say the only threat that potentially is going to happen is just the integration of AI into some of the work, but I don't think that's too much of a threat for the next, you know, 10 or 15 years, maybe more. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think people want to listen to like some monotone computer thing, computer generated image. <laughs> yeah, well, the, but the I could future, be wrong. <laughs> well, the, the future is that that's not what it's going to be. It's going to be like you and me, and it's going to be able to respond to questions and it's going to be able to pull information from everything. So like it's, it's on its way. I mean, they're going to, they're, they're utilizing it for music. They will be utilizing it for movies. But so if anyone's wondering what career path to go in, not to turn them away from learning, but AI, man, that's going to have some great opportunities in the future. So more so of they're stealing me and you, me and your voice and basically computerizing it to where it's not boring and monotone anymore. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> the future is they can, they'll be able to take whatever we upload or scan everything about me and create a virtual avatar that has my inflections, my voice, right. how I speak and be able to use that as a, as a teacher, as an instructor. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to listen to any monotone thing, <laughs> but uh, last question, just any, any last advice on career switching? I mean, you kind of touched on it at the beginning, you know, telling people not to care what other people think. And, yeah. you know, I, I say YOLO all the time. And uh, so, yeah, any, any last tips and tricks advice? Yeah. If you are making the switch, be patient, be patient. If I compared myself to a chief people officer at the moment, or if I did when I made the switch, I never would have made the switch. It would have seen way too far off. So be patient with your goals and give yourself grace in the transition. And at the same time, make sure you're comparing yourself to the right people, which is really nobody. But for example, if you're wondering, oh, I wish I could be here, you shouldn't be comparing yourself to what, where that places, you can compare yourself to where someone is where exactly where you are and say, what steps would this person take to move a little bit more forward and then take those steps because then you'll feel that you're making progress. You'll be able to have be a little bit more happier with where you're at and honestly enjoy 
the present because very often when we're trying to make a career transition, we're stuck in the end goal of that career transition. And we're going to also still feel stuck at times and unhappy at work and tired and demotivated. We're just at least in a better environment and in a better job that, that brings us more joy. It doesn't automatically equal more joy. So in, take some time, give yourself some grace, set your sights on where you want to go. Don't compare yourself to the people that have been doing it for a decade and take one small step. Definitely, definitely. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything more to add to that because, yeah, you you said it all right there. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for coming on Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. Where can we find you? Well, I'm out in Austin, Texas. So if, you, if you're out there, find me and say hi. But if you actually want to see where I'm located, you can find my work and stuff. Go on LinkedIn, go to Dr. Benjamin Ritter, type it in. I should be the only one that pops up. And you can also go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com. That's L-F-Y consulting.com. And you can learn all about my coaching services. My podcasts are there. My media is there. All that all that jazz. Online course is there. So that was recently launched a couple of weeks ago. All right. Thank you, Benjamin, for being on the show. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Subscribe and see you next time.